she opens up the the present and inside is a fucking handgun. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's very and dark. It's like very uh, dark. like the like the cutest thing in the world should be an eight year old girl's birthday party, but it's like suddenly <laughs> there's like firearms and uh, yeah. well, what happened? So. <laughs> Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. All right, everybody. It's one fucking hour time. The show, of course, where we talk about one goddamn movie for one fucking hour. I am Evan Husney. And we got with us over here, Mr. Big T, Tom Fitz G. What's going on, man? Yep. If the G fits, wear it, man. What's up? <laughs> I don't know. Take two. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, amazing. And always uh, to our uh, my right, uh, we got Mr. Marcus Herring. Marcus, what's going on? What's up, guys? Really excited about tonight's movie. It's been a big, giant fucking question mark. Uh, in my brain for you know a number of years, so I'm glad to have Evan <laughs> explain it all to me. Finally. Yeah, to visitor school, homie. <laughs> That's right. We will. I am. You guys are now fully uh, in, enrolled in the visitor school because uh, that is the movie we are talking about tonight, uh, which won our poll for 1979. Tonight is episode 79, so we're doing a movie from 79, right. and y'all it, voted for this one, guys. Y'all voted for this one. And it was one fucking vote that actually <laughs> took it down. Like yeah. Florida it's 2000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. V. Bush. It was. I demand a recount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some hanging chads chilling around, but yeah. basically. And let me guess, it was breaking away. Yeah, no. Visit, right? <laughs> no. Neck and no. neck. No, no, no. Unfortunately, oh, breaking right. away and being there were far down. The poll uh, down in that nine percent range, but it was a fucking cage match between the visitor and hardcore. And man, my money would not have been on the visitor. I was very surprised because I thought like I kind of knew our audience. They liked the grittier seventies flicks, you know, Paul Schrader, George C. Scott. Like that was gonna win. But man, there's some fucking visitor heads out there. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Nice. nice. Yeah. I mean, it's. uh, I think between those two, that is. I would say the audience we have at this point. I guess so. Know, which is cool. You know, yeah, like it the, is. the totemic titles, uh, what they yeah. represent. You know, I get it. Totally, totally. So, I mean, and, uh, look, uh, Paul Schrader's Hardcore is an amazing movie. We've talked about wanting to do it on the show before. We will yeah. get to that movie yeah. probably sooner rather than later. So don't, don't stress too much. Um, but it's very uh, exciting tonight to get into The Visitor. As these guys have sort of alluded to, I have a personal history with this movie. So... I've been able to peel back the curtain a little bit to figure out, answer some of these uh, these big giant question marks on this crazy movie. One of the most WTF movies there is. Um, but before we do that, quick shout out uh, to the one fucking hour Patreon. Thank you to everybody who signed up so far. Of course, it's just $5 a month. And what do you get for that patronage? Uh, well, we've been recording uh, feature length DVD style audio commentary tracks uh, to movies from all eras and all walks of life. Uh, we've done things like, uh, Tom, uh, What Women Want. Yes. And it did. And by the time you're hearing this, we have just posted our latest uh, audio commentary track, 
which was on Steven Spielberg's Jaws. So if you want to listen to our take, which we did not cover back in episode 75 for 1975, a lot of people were up in arms about that, so we, we did it as a DVD commentary. Ah, there it yeah. is. So, well, speaking of uh, idiosyncratic characters, how about that fucking mayor, huh? Who's very <laughs> Ted Cruz looking, kind of, to me. It's <laughs> very Ted, sure. or, or the That's, other way around. I think this like movie definitely kickstarted a fascination with, you know. There, there it is. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Gnarl. Yeah. But I this, love this, books and movies. Oh, oh God. God. It's like suddenly this film is Faces of Death for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to hear that, the only way to do that is to sign up. Patreon.com slash one fucking hour. Sign up there. You can download all the audio commentary tracks we've done. Simple instructions to sync it up to the movies. And yeah, it's like hanging out and watching movies with us. Uh, in real time, man. So it's uh, super fun, and we really uh, have enjoyed everybody who's signed up so far and the community we're building there. So definitely join us over there, or you can scroll underneath this video. There's a button that says join. Click that. You can also sign up on YouTube, become a member for five bucks a month. Same perks, same shit. Uh, uh -huh. Your poison. You pick it. So patreon.com slash one fucking hour. Thank you, everybody. All right, guys. Um, Y'all ready to fucking get into this? Visitor time? Yeah. All right. All right. So here comes the clock. Oh, boy. Got to try. I'm loaded for bear, so I got to try to fit all right. this in. Oh, my God. <laughs> we will defer to you tonight. Sweating already. Oh, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. All right. Here we go. Clock starts now. All right. All right. So normally we sort of read like a, a plot synopsis here <laughs> to start off the show. It's a little more difficult to do that with this movie uh so i thought maybe i would start with the back of the blu-ray shout out guys blu-ray this is the uh, visitor blu-ray that we released when i was uh, at draft house uh nice. the you know special edition blu-ray that we did so this is the uh -huh. um this is the th this is the synopsis that we had on the back of the blu-ray um and uh it was enthusiastically written by our friend zach carlson so it sounds oh, nice. um, right. very much like a sales pitch more than it does a plot synopsis. So here you go. The visitor is in this unforgettable assault on reality, uh, legendary director John Huston stars as an intergalactic traveler who joins a cosmic Christ figure in a battle against a demonic eight-year-old girl and her pet hawk while the fate of the universe hangs in the balance. <laughs> Uh, multi-dimensional warfare, pre-adolescent profanity, and brutal avian attacks combine to transport the viewer to a state unlike anything they've experienced. Somewhere between hell, the darkest reaches of outer space, and Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> um, the, the visitor fearlessly fuses elements of the omen, close encounters of the third kind, the birds, Rosemary's Baby, the Fury, and even Star Wars creating the most ambitious of all 70s psychedelic mind warps. It's, uh, and its baffling all-star cast includes Shelley Winters, Glenn Ford, Lance Hendrickson, Franco Nero, and even Sam fucking Peckinpah for what reviewers, <laughs> in what reviewers have called the Mount Everest of insane 70s movies. So <laughs> can I do a quick uh, duel? I won't read the whole thing, but I'll do a dueling... 80s VHS release Ooh. synopsis. Just, the, yeah. just okay. the opening. So that was that. This is like 1985. Katie Collins is no ordinary eight-year-old girl 
Indeed, she is unique, carrying within her the power of Satin, an <laughs> interspatial force of immense magnitude. Yeah. So that's where there that you one go. starts. And yeah. that's um, it. That's good. Oh, that's more. that's okay. that's oh, a little bit. There you go. Uh, that is the visitor. Um, I mean, where do we even start with this movie? <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it. I mean, for me, it it really did exist as like one of the ultimate top shelf movie night movies. Like friends are gonna come over. They want to yeah. see something fucking insane that we're gonna you know laugh along with. We're gonna you know yeah. fucking freak out to. Uh, it's it's this movie. This is the top of the shelf for me. But you know, Tom, did you did you have any history with? Uh, it's a party with the visit. Yeah, just real quick. So like, uh, me and my dumb teenage friends were stoned. Somebody turns on the TV at one point one night, late at night, and it's a basketball game movie scene. And I'm like, okay, uh, it's probably isn't interesting. <laughs> it's like, what is it? North Dallas Forty for like basketball. And so uh, it started getting weird. Slow motion, Moog synthesizer, a weird little girl with enormous sunglasses, and then ultimately an exploding basketball. And I went, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. And then we just sort of stopped watching it. I kind of lost track. But I always remembered the exploding basketball movie. And then it took me about 10 years to decipher what it was. I had no idea. Because uh, I couldn't. It's like, how do you do It's like, and it was before the internet. So it was like, basketball, little girl. It's like, forget it. And I just stumbled on it. And I figured it out. And it was great, and it's even weirder than I thought it would be. But uh, just for me, it's a special film because it reminded me for ten years that keep you need to keep looking, and there's always an insane film right around the corner, like yeah. really powerful, crazy stuff. Because nobody knew this movie, and you know, I finally got the VHS. Oh, and, yeah, nice. got beautiful. Mystery solved on the beautiful. exploding basketball movie. For my <laughs> so, yeah, that's my beautiful. origin story. Beautiful. Marcus, do you have any uh, like uh, background uh, with this movie? Nothing too special, but it was just a wreck from my buddy uh, Tom, you know, the other one uh, who of, of the uh, tenant theory. Shout out to our other tenant episode. He came Thomas. up with the alt theory for the tenant. Yeah, yeah Thomas. Right? Uh, right, and, right. you know, he had the VHS uh, recommended it to me, so I had to get one too. And yeah, you know, just the, uh, the, the crazy oddball special effects was kind of. Uh, what really grabbed me, I think. Oh, so. yeah. Sure. This movie has also some that, great, yeah. great uh, visual audio, visual effects we'll talk about. Yeah, go ahead. That VHS cover is so crazy because you look at that and you're like, what is it? You, you imagine that it's a completely different movie through the giant eyeball and these demon right. hands. And I don't even know if it's holding a string or if it's tearing a well, hole in the lightning, eyeball, the fabric the, of time. Well, uh, the eyeball is cutting the throat of the universe with its. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's garroting. Okay. I mean, that's it's, what I see. Isn't that obvious? It's like, I wasn't it's sure like, if it was ripping a hole. You know, no, it's garroting. Yeah, yeah. What no, it is. Garroted. Garroting the universe. Yeah. Well, that's okay. That makes sense because that happens in the movie. So. It does. Yeah, <laughs> Italians. Uh, they love that garroting in their you know genre films. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, this movie. You know, uh, you know, before I got involved in the re-release of the movie, this would be something that if you met somebody and they knew what it was, it was really exciting. Like I remember talking to people and like, oh yeah, this is the movie where. There's that bird, you know, with a knife for a beak that stabs a basketball team owner in the neck, you know, like, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just one of these movies where each scene kind of has an escalation of weirdness from yeah. one set piece to the next, which of course we'll get into, but this movie for me existed um, as such an enigma. Where the fuck did this come from? Why is it so weird? Why is it so insane? 
Why is yeah. the logic? Why is it so illogical? And and how did they round up all these people to be in this movie? I never could figure that out. And it was kind of this question of, do I want to find out? Too? Do you want the veil lifted, you know, from something right. this, you know, lightning in a bottle or this special, this unique, you know, not all the times you do, right? I mean, sometimes yeah, so if you don't want to find the, out, you might want to pause the movie now and uh, <laughs> skip ahead. Uh, five, uh, 55 minutes. Yeah, day, right. right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, but um, yeah, uh, let's get into this because it was through. So, I did pursue the rights to this movie in order to re release it. I think it was 2012 when we did the re release of the movie. And uh, I, we had reached out to the producer who is, will be a character in tonight's program. His name is Ovidio Asinitis. <laughs> I think Asinides. God bless you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, you know, everything you need to know about him is that um, he licensed the movie to us without, like, totally legally being able to, you know? <laughs> so, um, because he had already on licensed... Brand. It was very much, very much on brand. Because he had already licensed the movie to a different... Uh, DVD label Code Red, who had put it out on DVD, but he had told us the rights were available, so we purchased them, and it turned into a shit show. But anyway, um, <laughs> but it was it was interesting, and through that process, we got to talk to to um, Ovidio, and we got to get his story on how this movie came together, which was, as we say in the wrestling business, a total fucking work. You know, it wasn't the truth, it wasn't the real story. And it wasn't until we had tracked down a screenwriter, uh, an American screenwriter, who was actually involved in the production of this movie. Oh. Um, but I sort of thought, Tom, before we get into this, yeah. I, I don't know if you have any knowledge or anything just like on, or Marcus, any knowledge on just the Italian ripoff, like the idea of the Italian ripoff, especially in America, because there were a lot, mm -hmm. you know, that were coming out around this time. Any, any knowledge? Right. If if not, I, do. I mean, uh, an affection. But uh, you know, yeah. like if it was a hit, you know, if if, if Jaws happened, there'd be cruel Jaws, <laughs> you know, for instance, mm -hmm. or tentacles. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's another o video film. Yeah, Star right. Crash with John kind of a, Star right. Crash is like a rip off of Star yeah. Wars. You know, you um, well, uh, the Black Emmanuel movies are a rip off of the French Emmanuel movies. Right. You know, like I, I guess it's just like a. It's a different rules with like rights over there, and you feel like you can kind of get away with it with a different audience, you know? Yeah, foreign export. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's and, all, uh, all the Dawn of the Dead knockoffs, of course, are famous. Oh my We're god! You. Yeah. yeah, and it happens in India and you know Hong Kong too, right? Where they're making something more for a local audience. But the weird thing about these Italian ones, it seems like they have they have worldwide. You know, movie. And they they have they want it to play overseas too. You know, they don't, yeah, they're yeah. not just trying to keep it in yeah. India or whatever, right? They're they're hoping that it'll be it'll make some money well, back theory, in America too. This is a kinky thought. Um, so there's The Exorcist to The Heretic, which is a huge mess and has lots of strange set pieces and uh, doesn't add up. There's like not enough for too many puzzle pieces, as they say, uh, in, in its insanity. And I feel that The Exorcist to The Heretic, actually, I think The Visitor in a way is a ripoff of exorcist 2 which is a very strange thought because it was a flop but the, I, I feel it could be a good double feature i'll just put it that way sure yeah they're both yeah i thought of insane. it as exorcist in a way like that maybe yeah. the genesis two, of though. it 
You mean well, two. two. Well, yeah. this just my, my idea was that it was just a ripoff of The Exorcist was thinking like, you know, that was a good movie, but the little girl was in the bed the whole time. What if she went out into the world? What if the little possessed girl was out in the world? You know, well, there's The Omen, which is ripping off The Exorcist. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So, yeah. So so basically, let's get into this. OK, so. Um, Ovidio um, basically was known in the business at one time as the ripoff king, okay? And he had a huge hit film with Beyond the Door, which was a blatant exorcist ripoff, which made a mm. lot of money in the drive-in circuit. It, it was a hit uh, for the time, and that was directly in response to the exorcist. And Tentacles, as, as Tom mentioned, was sort of his... Jaws ripoff, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> proxying the shark for a giant octopus, um, and Ooh, uh, the visitors. Terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Uh, and then, uh. and then, and then the visitor was sort of to to you know uh, like repeat that success with Beyond the Door, um, and you know just to, just just some sort of like you know. Uh, character view into who like what type of guy Ovidio was I mean a guy who would sell the rights to you know his movie more than once when he clearly knew that he couldn't you know yeah. but uh, <laughs> I, I remember that there was a story about one of the production managers in the film who would would tell stories about you know um, Ovidio and how he would co like covertly stash all the payroll cash and you know in like a fake ceiling in his office you know he was like totally uh -huh. that sort of idea you know is what we're sort of talking about and he had set up a lot and, and a lot of other Italian productions had set up shop in Georgia and we're starting to film movies in Atlanta Georgia and that's why this movie is set in Atlanta Georgia wow. because it tax breaks non-union it was a non-union oh, uh, way to, to get go. around the unions to, to okay. film there so it was cheaper and uh, the visitor was co-financed by Film Ventures International and they were, you know, the indie distributor films of Beyond the Door and Beyond the Door 2 and okay. Grizzly, you know, and stuff like that. And they also <laughs> were the company that got involved in the in the ultimate ripoff, which is um, Great White, which is the Jaws ripoff that actually got a lawsuit from Universal Pictures and was right. pulled from theaters, um, you know. Um, do they um, make any non-ripoff movies? Only, are they only <laughs> rip off other movies? Or? I don't know. I think this is pretty much their their bread and butter. So, yeah. um, But anyway, to sort of get into the answer to this question, why the fuck is this movie so crazy? Here's the story that we learned. As we were distributing the movie, we got to meet this guy. His name is Lou Camici, and he was a, um Italian-American screenwriter living here he spoke english and italian and that's basically how he got the job you know his agent called him and said there's a project for you um but you know they want to hire you to write this movie and you know they need someone who can speak both languages are you interested and he was just starting out so he said sure so lou and met with cheap a, right i'm sure oh yeah super cheap yeah for sure because he's just getting started with his career so lou met with ovidio and ovidio basically looked at him and said i'm going to be very frank with you we want to make a ripoff of The Exorcist, but it can't look like a ripoff. <laughs> so that's the challenge, of course. And um, that's part one. Part two, what I need from you is we need someone to rein in the director because he's fucking out there. And we wow. need this movie to be viewable to American cinemas. Like we, like we need <laughs> Americans to buy into this. You know, right. so those are the two caveats. And Lou said, OK, and he met with the director. And as Lou told us when we interviewed him for the DVD, he said, um, OK, but I had no idea it was going to be this fucking bad. So he meets with the director 
And I think who, and, and we should say the director's Italian name is Giulio Paradisi, but his pen name, his American, Americanized pen name for this movie is Michael J. Paradise. So that's the name he's, <laughs> which is one of the great pen names of all time. Um, but apparently he was like Fellini's first AD or something, and he was um, an Italian commercial director, which I'm sure you can now see the visitor having roots in commercial <laughs> commercial yeah, direction sure. um and this was his first film and um and uh you know because of that he was a big commercial director that's how they got the movie or the financing together and he sort of had this idea for uh a crazy idea for this movie like what his exorcist was going to be right and you can see traces of it still in the movie now but it was much different this idea of the fact that the devil shows up mysteriously in a bird um, and then that bird comes into Atlanta and transfer and the devil transfers from the bird to a little girl in Atlanta, you know, um, and then there's this kind of retirement community of exorcists who all reside there and they become aware of these strange acts that are happening. Uh -huh. And then there's one guy for some reason who is a Polish ex tailor who's going to come from Poland, which would be John Huston's character, to deal with all this fucking bullshit. I was so you wondering do... why his name is Polish the, the entire time. Why is this space guy got Kosomowitz call, call or whatever? Jersey, Jersey. Kosomowitz. Yeah. yeah, Jersey, yeah. Yeah, so for some reason he had this in his head that he wanted a Polish tailor to be like the exorcist of this film. I why guess. not, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> so... They started to work together, and it was it was clear to Lou that there was no cohesion in any of his ideas. Um, he would change his mind all the time. He would basically be like, okay, we need to have a scene that takes place in an ice rink. There's like a little girl there, and it's going to be an ice rink, and they're going to square off with the exorcists. And then in the background, we're going to see elephants walking around. And then they'd be like, why fucking elephants? And he's like, well, people like elephants. Put it in. Put it in. You know? So it was just <laughs> well, like that. Ordorowski-like kind of, almost. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, he's just, like, you know, super enthusiastic. This is what he wants to do. So yeah. then he also mentioned that um, Julio had a fixation on bathroom scenes where he definitely wanted to have many scenes where a guy or a girl was on, on the toilet. And oh, okay. Lou would be like, um, yeah, you're, they're, we're not going to be that's not going to be able to play in the U.S. They're going to cut that. And then this <laughs> Julio guy would be like, people take shits every day. We got to have it in there. You oh know, my God. so. Wow. Kind of gives you a little okay, impression of what you're dealing you're, with here. What you're dealing with. Um, so anyway, just bad tension, trying to get this fucking thing made. But his creative idea, the straw that broke the camel's back, is that he insisted on a sequence where the little girl was to go into the father's bedroom, Lance, the Lance Hendrickson character in the film, and she was angry at the father. And so what she did is she took a piece of fishing line that Garot we see in the actual finished film and she wraps it around his testicles and ties the other end to a typewriter and throws it out the window. Oh and that was like his God. big set piece that he was like, this is going to happen or not, you know? So long story short, too late. What would happen is they would go then pitch these ideas back to Ovidio and Ovidio would just smile and speak English to Lou. Julio could not understand English and just be like, yep, okay, smile and nod. We'll take care of this later, you know, and what they would say. And then yeah. in the background, there was another drama unfolding where Julio 
and the producer the the producer stopped paying him for his extreme expenses his crazy spending everything Mm -hmm. so they were like he was exhausting the budget and he was exhausting everybody with his fucking insane ideas that nobody wanted to do so anyway eventually he fucking fired him he fired michael j paradise from the movie um and that was it and um uh, what happened is, is that Julio then went back to Rome. He was very upset that he was fired from the film, and he cried to one some family member that he was close to. He cried to the person and said, "Oh my God, I've been fired from this movie. It was my dream to make this movie." And then, as the story goes, Ovidio goes back to Rome to be in his office, and then this family member of Julio's <laughs> marches into Ovidio's office and basically puts a gun to his fucking head. And says, you pick up the phone right now and tell Julio that he's hired back. (laughs) And so father kind of shit with a gun pressed to his head. He picks up the phone, apologizes to Julio and says, I'm sorry, you're hired back. And so meanwhile, Lou has been finishing the script, making a coherent film tidying things up, making the detective okay. character something that actually is going to keep the story, um, you know, have a through line and everything, in all the producer's notes. He made it a real film. And so he had it finished, and then he delivers it back to the office, but when he walks back in the office, he sees Julio back on the production, and he was sitting there, and he was just like, was giving him the evil eye, giving, giving Lou the evil eye. And so Lou said, okay, guys, here's the finished script. And Julio took the script, he took one look at the cover page, and he just looked at Lou and he said, I hate it. And he took it and he fucking threw it out the window (laughs) of the fourth floor. (laughs) And he just remembers seeing all the pages just fucking flying away. And that was the end of his involvement. And so the answer of the question of why is this movie so fucking insane is because he had, it was an insane person who had carte blanche because the producer would be fucking executed if they right. did anything else different. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. I love that. Under the you know? threat of death, that film was made. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and let me, so uh, a little clarity is this was the guy, the guy's, this is Paradise's first film, yeah. right? Yep. Yep. He is a commercial did director. Did make another? I don't know if he ever made another movie. I don't it, think his so. Wikipedia wow, says it? he did. The next did one's he? called like The Spaghetti House. And there you then go. There's, like, uh, like a, there's another <laughs> comedy afterwards. Look <laughs> yeah. that up. So uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he he uh, he had carte blanche and just and basically took Lou's script, put it in a blender, and that's kind of what you have is the results of is what the visitor is. Do we know very, if he was happy with it? Was Paradise like uh, that's a good movie? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Visitor. I would imagine that he yeah. was. Yeah, because because well, he was him. just freewheeling on this and. Yeah, but it's pretty crazy backstory, and you know the fact that you have John Huston in this movie is so puzzling. Like you know this master director, but I guess well, that's yeah, it. Uh, he's also in Tentacles. Yeah, and I think Shelley Winters is also in Tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, people were slumming it. I mean, like Henry Fonda uh, narrated like a, a a documentary about like uh, uh, you know like uh, life after death and stuff like that. I was just looking at that. Like hmm. things got weird. For some of these, you know, icons of the golden yeah. era of, at this of time, so. at this time, yeah, he's for got sure. Two, two yeah. legendary directors, uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, taking on roles in this movie. That's what makes it extra weird because Sam Peckinpah. It kind of, yeah, yeah. right. Yes, 
I don't have the full story on on Sam. If it was like a local thing, coincidence, like he was there, but yeah. um, I do know that Sam Peckinpah's scenes in the film had to be heavily redubbed because he was shit faced during him and couldn't remember his lines <laughs> for shit. Lovely. So this is around the uh, convoy period for him. Yes, too. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but in the area, okay. But yeah, but like you know, John Hewson and and Ovidio were close and John agreed to actually doing the film uh, without even reading the script. And once he read it, John Houston told him, this is either going to be amazing or it's going to be a pile of shit is what he told them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he showed up, you know, sleepwalks through his scenes. Um, and uh, I guess John Houston, um, there's, there's, a, there's a story out there. I don't know if it's true, but he went to the premiere of the movie and um, according to a video, because you don't know if it's true or not, but he basically went to him and said, you know what? I had no idea we were making that kind of movie. Congratulations. <laughs> and, uh, wh- wh- how would he define <laughs> that? <laughs> like, I don't like know. Psychedelic disaster. Like, yeah. You know, like, exactly. What kind, of movie, what kind of movie is The Visitor? You know, because the more we're talking now and the more you're describing everything. I mean, I, I, it, like, you know, what I'm, I'm hung up on what you were saying is that he was a TV commercial uh, yeah. director. Yeah. Which reminds me almost of like, um, you know, um, the guy who made Haosu, yeah. you know, Obayashi. Uh, mm-hmm. He made, you know, experimental art film shorts, but he also did a lot of commercials for like a decade. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a certain kind of guy. I like when commercial directors make uh, uh, movies because they're usually pretty wacko and they're led right. by strong visual aesthetics, obviously, because that's kind right. of like cutting their teeth on, you know, any thoughts on that? Yeah, some kind of weird, like, experimental ideas, but executed with this gloss of, like, a commercial production, you know? Right. So, like, because right. there's a lot of, like, this movie has, like, star filters and, like, soft oh, yeah. focus, and it does feel like a a commercial a for, like, a department store or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. it does. Um, a lot of optical tricks and a lot of blue screen action right. and a lot of, yeah. a lot of primitive, uh, a lot of the primitive, you know, sort of uh, special effects at the time, visual effects yeah, you can I mean, do. Yeah. Where the narrative is, you know, quote unquote, lacking, uh, you know, it, it, it's very strong in the in the technical aspects of it. Like, yeah, very often the compositions are like world class, like suitable for framing. Yeah. And uh, it, even like the pacing of the editing's good. Like there's some very strong, pure cinema elements going on. Here, agreed. You know, agreed. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. Totally. Um, one thing just to close the John Houston loop is that years later, when John Hewson was dying, he uh, um, invited the producer to spend some of his final moments with him. And I guess while <laughs> there, um, he saw a VHS copy of The Visitor on John Houston's shelf. And so he like he was like, oh, shit, he must have fucking really it liked is. it. Yeah. My pride and joy. Yeah, right. <laughs> not Fat City, not The Dead. Yeah. Not, Fat uh, City. You know, yeah. Beat the Devil or something. Yeah, yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah, so that is Annie. cool. He did that musical Annie too. He was doing some weird stuff at the end there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, Wise I mean, Blood, which is crazy. Like a year later, oh, oh this yeah, seventy nine. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. So anyway, w- we should get into the movie and start talking about a lot of these set yeah. pieces because there's some, as you were saying, there's some great style on display, some good technical prowess, and I think maybe the scene that captures all of that the best is the opening. I mean, the opening <laughs> of this movie is so visually arresting. I mean, yeah. guys, take it away. I mean, you know, well, I've been well, bogarting. Well, just just my little headline is, I think we, you and I always, or all of us, always talk about, especially the opening scene, like in shorthand, like it's a prog rock album cover come to life. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like that yeah. warning, Marcus, from uh, <laughs> right? Germany. Yeah, it does, it yeah. does look very yeah. warning. This is where, the German. <laughs> this is where we yeah. cut to the German Krautrock uh, uh, No Wave Band. Uh, yeah, warning. they're awesome. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. It's 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 incredible. Like you you see that that they're they're using um I don't know what you call it like that sort of like uh I don't like with the smoke coming in and like yeah Marcus, those are like know? those kind of Douglas Trumbull cloud yeah. tank I think you know like where yeah. they're um like beautiful pouring like ink inside of like an aquarium you know <sighs> uh to get those kind of cl- like slow moving cloud effects like uh you know Neverending Story has them too it, other, they're playing it back in slow motion. Is that yeah? How, we get the, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. The shot, the shot, like overcranked. I think so. They Sick. play that kind of wispiness, and yeah. so cool. it, they're actually going down or whatever. But the you know they turned it sideways, so it's going the other way. But then right. there's this. I think what's weird about this, what makes this one, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of cool visual effects in this movie, but they're executed so weirdly. And I guess like you know, you shining a light on it helps a little bit that these are all just sort of executed like under duress you know like just get it done no matter what just get the get the guy's ideas done no matter what you know and no matter what the budget limitations are you know uh no matter what the you know the technical uh uh uh, you know uh abilities of the crew you know they they did the best they could so it's got this cool douglas trumbull like background but then everything else in the foreground doesn't match it yeah so it's like you know it looks like to me like it is on a blue screen you know, because yeah. it's got this ragged edges and like the um, yeah. uh, his hair is like boiling, you know, with the, the mm. like the keyer is like just it pulling yeah. the hair, like really messy. Right. Um, so that's distracting you too. But it also everything has that fun, that thick kind of like matte line around, you know, the uh, the edges. Well, so it just all, feels like, uh, very artificial, which yeah. it actually kind of works because this is supposed to take place like on an astral plane or something. And I, and I always yeah. love that when there's like a a movie and, and the battle takes place like in the mind or just on some so cool. other you know plane it's so cool it, it has that uh 1979 movie uh look uh the black hole yeah. that's like a big yes. budget disney movie but still just what you're saying marcus is um the the in the comp- compositioning the foreground and the background with like the blue screen thing you're doing like they're not getting the blacks matching mm-hmm. like like one, like the foreground black is kind of gray and then it's super deep black in the background so it's like not meshing at all yeah it's that great. kind of look is happening there's here. some and focus issues look. too like you know like right. the little the figure in the background's out of focus a little bit but the the background is completely in focus you know so it's like love um it okay. love it all so good <laughs> the look the look i yes. love the next i love the 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 next scene too with the sort of like oh the exposition yeah. that's whispered you know okay. with all these like uh yeah <laughs> names yeah it's impossible to follow yeah. let's talk yeah we should talk about that so 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 the next scene basically get well fuck oh shit i wanted to just mention that amazing shot just so i can fucking cut to it of mm. where you first are see katie the little girl walking out of the smoke and then it's like snow that's coming down and her face is covered with that snow it's a fucking beautiful with the shot. fake eyes yeah like, really uh, scary Really scary, really cool, unsettling. Yeah. Really, really cool. Um, anyway, to get to the next scene, the next scene is sort of the introduction of Franco Nero as a sort of uh, space Jesus, I guess for short, a blonde space Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is Brilliant. which is really amazing. And you see him basically sitting around telling bald alien kids the story of Satine. Okay, and and Satine is obviously short for Satan in this sort of exorcist ripoff world. Yep. Um, 
But he describes... Now, this is very important. If you do not listen to every fucking word that Franco Nero says in this whisper monologue... You're going to be yeah. shit out of luck when it comes to piecing this movie together. <laughs> the entire so you might want to watch it a couple times, too. <laughs> you might need to. What is the, what's the to. gist? What's the, the gist, gist is, of his whispers? Okay, his whispers, he's telling, you know, he's telling the kids about a story about Satine, right? A galactic mutant villain that is intent on spreading his destructive force throughout the universe by procreating as much as possible. Okay, he talks about that. Um, and basically... That's when you meet John Huston's character, who's sort of always walking around in the background of every scene in this movie. But uh, he is Jersey, and he <laughs> basically informs us that he has just had a vision, and he explains to Franco Nero that he's had a vision showing him that the latest of Satine's descendants, who is Katie Collins, the eight-year-old on Earth in Atlanta, Georgia, um, that's like the next host of Satine, so the next offspring. So that's what he's basically trying to describe. And, um, and of course, he gets into the, uh, this idea of, you know, there's good and evil battling and it's been a war and all this stuff. Right, right. But, like, basically, you know, Satan is inhabiting many forms in this film. And right. Katie Collins. He mentions is, Yahweh, too, right? It's just kind of like God's real name. Yeah. And right. Like, so there's some sort of cosmic interpretation of Christianity going on. Totally. Totally. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And then we cut to, guys, the greatest filmed basketball game of all time. <laughs> um, and um, the one that's what Tom mentioned earlier. But it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, on display in this, you have so much going on. Um, and uh, n- not only is, you know, Julio, the director, a commercial director, but he also brought in, guess what, his DP who is a commercial DP into this movie yeah. as well. There and you, you can see it on full display in this in this scene. Oh yeah. Like that moment where like it's the guys going for, you know, the last fucking whatever, you know, dunk of the game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you see those moments in slow motion where everyone's starting to stand up and you're feeling the tension sure. of him racing to the basket. Like that feels like a commercial. Like I could see that for like a fucking mm-hmm. br- and also Brillo just pad like, commercial um, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, no, totally. And just another tell that, like, uh, him and his DP, like, uh, they're well versed in like how this is going to look in the iterations of like a commercial TV reality. Like, they were probably spending a minute, like, what are the girl's glasses going to look like? Yeah, like she has to have sure. enormous sunglasses because it's such an iconic look. Like, if she had regular sunglasses, whatever, but they got these almost square, almost oval kind of like mega sunglasses and it makes it um you know a, a, like a, su- a suitable for framing look you know yeah as you cut away from this you know beautifully um edited uh basketball scene with increasing slow motion you know yeah. it's um it's and in, in a way you know all, what's that? all over the place and like all the lens choices are all over the places and uh-huh. everything it's amazing sorry you were gonna say though no go ahead marcus oh. any basketball scene thoughts no, I agree. It's great. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you're, you're you're supposed to be. I think when like you see these first person sort of traveling, like almost like kind of you know DIY Steadicam stuff. You know, of like that's supposed to be Satine maybe inhabiting her in that moment. Oh. Like it's all happening like in this basketball. Like game. she's being pursued. Yeah, by the spirit. Then oh, I right. got that. Okay, yeah, Very and because cool. you hear you like hear the whispers and you hear all that stuff, and then you're introduced to Lance Hendrickson, who's the owner of the basketball team, 
you know, which is just such a great background origin for that character. Yeah. It's like and dead lizard robot face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love his yeah. presence in the film. Is what I'm trying yeah, to say. me too. Me too. And, and he has no fucking idea what he's doing. He said like he would show up on set like, you know, he was early on in his career. He would show up on set and have no fucking idea what they were doing every day. And he basically wow. was just in service of the movie yeah. and just kind of playing as blank as he could because he didn't really know what the right, fuck right. was going on he's just he, like I mean, uh where do i stand what do yeah. i say yep okay <laughs> can i interject something about the, the compounding madness of this film we talked earlier yeah. um the scene after the basketball explosion the epic yes. moment is um it's him and uh, you know the, the the woman his wife and and uh barbara and, yeah and in bed and there's this dialogue exchange that is just like as demented as any visual thing <laughs> so crude and and yeah, and basically, it's so crude. It's like, um, just think about this director we've been hearing about. You know, like this is his kind of dialogue. Or I guess working with the scriptwriter, but it's like, um, ooh, that paraphrasing. That was some explosion, and 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 uh, that explosion. I can't get it out of my mind. Which explosion? The first explosion, one ball, or the second explosion, two balls? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he's, yeah, that's he's referring to the exploding says. basketball earlier, or he's. Ex- or he's referring to the the recent I get it. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. executed coitus. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm just having fun with it. Yeah. Like the yeah, recent yeah. executed coitus, and I'm just like, it's so crude and like not funny, and it's like, wait, wait, what the fuck did he just say? And yeah. It happens a few times. Sometimes the dialogue is nuts. That's all I'm saying. It is. It is. Yeah, and it's yeah. He's he says uh, uh, explosion one ball or explosion two ball. And it, I don't yeah. know. Oh I I don't know if it's something that that w- would have been written or was improvised because I know really? that there. <laughs> it, it sounds I don't like know. translated or something. You know, it does sound yes. like a transla- like a direct translation. He said yes. that. He said that. He said that there were times where that the script because it had gone from English to Italian that a lot of things were lost in translation and mm-hmm. they just kind of had to it sounds it better out in the native italian right exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. duo apollos anyway i love that 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 scene does highlight the commercial look too because she's all it's like you really you know um, that yeah. the dp knows how to shoot a lady you know like she's yeah. all soft yeah. focused yeah. and glamorous and there's like furs and mm-hmm. yep um yep you know. And uh, so from there we get to, you know, that, that's when John Houston's character arrives in Atlanta and he, you know, gets to the customs officer, says he's a visitor. So he's the visitor. And uh, that's when we're introduced to this very puzzling scene where <laughs> all of his, his like bald boys brigade and uh, they all get they on the roof like of the cult this- members. Yeah, so yes. weird. Like right? Like 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 they have yep. sort of like this tracksuit uniform shaped yeah. heads. It looks like they're going to go to the airport and give out pamphlets, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, it's like cosmic Harry Krishna. What the fuck? Warriors. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> it is really cool. And that's when you and that's when the fucking like, you know, his theme drops hard for the first time that Really super loud, inappropriate uh, music the, uh, cue. <laughs> well, it's it's now we're doing musical ripoffs because it's a ripoff of the 2001 disco yep. version theme by Diodato, um, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the yeah the, the 2001 theme. Yeah, and and it's it's amazing, and it, it comes in just as he's like walk like innocuously walking up a set of stairs, and it's like it's like <laughs> huge fanfare for like a seven yeah. year old man slowly climbing walking the stairs. Up the stairs. 
Yeah, the visitor. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's amazing. I love it. They nice. land on that cue so much. There's there's one scene where it's like it they they go really big with that music and then it winds down like I a know. big montage like, and then yeah. and then it winds up into another montage with another really big bombastic song like right after it. It's nice. Bonkers, <laughs> bonkers. Yeah. So then we meet Mel Furrer, who's another character actor who's in this film, and he's sort of this. Um, and Tom, I'm opening the door for you here. He is the evil oh. corporate syndicate leader right. who is wrapped up in this conspiracy, which we learn is for uh, Barbara, who is Lance Hendrickson's girlfriend, to that the fact that she can give birth to these demonic children like Katie. And now Mel, his character in this whole corporate, you know, sort of evil empire wants her to have another child. And they're all wrapped up in this conspiracy to try right. to impregnate right. her again. But you were saying before well, we recorded. Mm -hmm. Well, just as a side note, I've, I've always had a pet interest in what I call 666 Incorporated. And it was <laughs> a very strange brief thing where uh, I don't know what quite what influenced it because it's not The Exorcist or Exorcist 2. And it's kind of really the omen in how like it's implied in the first omen that like he's going to get adopted by the president of the United States. Like 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 sinister evil power is integrating into um, uh, the powerful of the world. And there's a film called The Chosen, a.k.a. Holocaust 2000 from, I think, the same year, Italian. Got to see that. And it's about how corporations are controlling uh, are being controlled, excuse me, by Satan. And maybe the best example of all of this little subgenre is um, uh, actually the Omen 3 from 81, where you <laughs> see that uh, it's Damien has grown up, and now he's like a powerful lobbyist in D.C., but he's, you know, like got horns and, you know, and he's evil. So um, I don't know what that is exactly, but this film is right in the center of that. The where corporate like, Satanism. Yeah, shady uh, board members staring at you like menacingly, you know, and just whispering. Um, I it's love it. Like global conspiracy Satanism thing. Yeah. I love it. I know it's got Me some. Too. Yeah, I, I saw it's got some cute, <laughs> some cute characteristics there. I was thinking watching this because it's like a, it's more of that 70s paranoia. Uh, mm -hmm. from Body Snatchers. You know, mm -hmm. everyone in her life is involved in some secret conspiracy, yeah. but they're yeah. on different sides, you know? Like, right. uh, everybody, her daughter, yeah. her husband, anybody that walks into the door is, like, Shelley involved Winters. in some way. And, and yeah. she's yeah. just, Shelly Winters, and she's just, like, a, a pawn on a chessboard in their game, you know? Right, yeah. And, uh, and she's, like, evil people. She sounds paranoid. Evil people are staring at me, watching me, doing things to me. It, it, it's lizard you know? people stuff, yeah. It's weird yeah. that it was happening in 1978, you know? It is weird. So it's cool. also part of got this like you know part of that um boomer kind of imagined self-importance that your life is not insignificant you know right. that you're special you're yeah. actually one of the most special people in the whole world right. you know yeah. luke skywalker <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. totally yeah. and so we can see from this syndicate you know that this is probably where lance hendrickson's basketball money is coming from you know they have that upper arm on him um mm -hmm. but guys then we get to one of the best set pieces in the film um, which is incredible, uh, which is the birthday party scene um, in this movie, which is literally like we've already been seeing a lot of pretty fucking crazy shit by this point or unique stuff like the basketball game. But when it lands with the birthday party scene, you really are like, wow, this there's some poignancy and some like, you know, <laughs> like jaw dropping crazy shit. It's um, gonzo. It's yeah. Gonzo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess we should say what happens basically you know, it's Katie Collins's birthday. Her mom has picked her out this like toy bird that that also is freaky. That's like, I'm a pretty bird, you know, I'm a pretty bird. 
And that's <laughs> that's that's her present. But when she goes to open it, um, you know, and Katie's been staring at her e- her evil pet uh, bird that's supposed to be, you know, sateen. Right. And then uh, right as that happens, she opens up the the present, and inside is a fucking handgun. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that which is a great visual. Anytime you have like an eight year old opening up a present, and there's a handgun it's inside. Is incredible. That's like some fucking uh, National Lampoon's uh, kind of no. Craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's very and dark. It's like very uh, dark. like the like the cutest thing in the world should be an eight year old girl's birthday party, but it's like suddenly <laughs> there's like firearms and uh, yeah. well what happened? So because well, yeah, so, I'll tell you my favorite moment in this whole thing. Okay, so yeah. Happens? So then so then she 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 grabs the gun and she's like, Hey, look, mom, and she throws the gun in in, in the air <laughs> and it lands on like a coffee table and goes off, shooting her mom precisely in the spine in the back. Jeez. And Dude. it's just fucking insane. And there's a lot well, going on in that scene. But no, go but, ahead. but how do you follow up a, a really shocking moment like that? By the way, it all happens in incredibly quick succession. Yeah, like you don't get a chance for your to cognitively really pick up on this. Like gun, yeah. it's shot. No, but but the, you see the mother impacted. I've been shot in the back. Looking back at the uh, the daughter, yeah. and guess what? The evil little girl just shrugs. She's like, I don't know. Shit happens. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, Am I, I wrong? She looks. No. She goes like, uh, like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's really crazy. Whatever. Got yeah. shot in the spine. Okay. Right? It's, what? It's so, like, oh, my God. It's so confusing, too. You never find out, like, like where did the gun come from? It could have come from John Houston for all we know. You know, we know. Like, yeah, the, we don't uh, know. The yeah. Satan guy feels confused by it. Like, I don't know why. Why would it, Why would the guys that want to breed her want to kill her? You know, it's very, it's so confusing. Like, well, I, I, think, I don't know. I think I what it is, I think what it's supposed to be is mm-hmm. that the that the corporate conspiracy is behind it because she doesn't want to get married. Barbara's character does not want to get married, which may then mean she's not going to want to have another child. So they have to do something to her to make her more vulnerable. So the idea is Uh, somehow they're going to incapacitate her to bedridden her. Um, Well, which they, so then they rush her to the fucking... It is. It's weird. I mean, this is Giulio Paradisi. I don't know. We don't know what the fuck he's trying to get here. Yeah, but then so then what happens is is they 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 cart Barbara off to the hospital and perform all these tests on her, which is kind of exorcist like again another kind of yeah, exorcist yeah, moment. Yeah. And then if you notice in that scene, and it's very confusing because it's intercut with montages of Katie doing gymnastics. I think you were talking about this earlier, and it's yeah. amazing. And there's great <laughs> match cuts too, where like it's like it's like Katie spinning around, pulling herself up on like. The gymnastic bar, and then it cuts to like yeah. you know paralyzed mom pulling herself up on well, her like you know again that really bombastic music playing in the back. Yeah, it reminds me. I, I just got to say, a shout out to my theory of like this is a ripoff of The Exorcist too because there's a a yeah. cross cut montage of Linda Blair in Exorcist mm. two is tap dancing. Yeah, you're right. And it cuts to like uh, locusts attacking Africa, and it's like, right. what am I watching? You know, you're right. You're right. Weird. Yeah, you might be right. right. You might be right. Yeah. So, okay. but in that scene, a, when when she's in the oh, ho- real quick, just I'll, I'll be done here. In that hospital scene, when all the tests mm. are being performed, you see Mel Fur, the fucking Satan syndicate guy. He's there mm. putting on fucking um, you know hospital fatigues or whatever. So I think the theory that's being implied there is that they're going to impregnate her or try to impregnate her sure. in that moment. Got it. Yeah, Rosemary's babyish, you know. Totally. It's right. There's relentless mom abuse in this movie. I feel so bad for her. She's so like, much. She gets shot, abducted, hawk attacks her, forced impregnation. She's thrown downstairs. I mean, I feel like, <laughs> dropped downstairs. I feel like the director 
Yeah, he must have like some serious mom issues or something because it's like it's really could be, yeah. could be, Off could be. Charts. But um, then we meet Glenn Ford, who is this detective. It's like, oh my god, there's a detective in this movie too. And, and who doesn't love Glenn Ford when he pops up in a movie? I know Marcus <laughs> is always talking about, like he, he just lights up when he sees Glenn Ford. <laughs> He's just Superman's dad to me. That's pretty yeah, much he is. <laughs> he is. Anyway, okay. Um, so Glenn but Ford. He, but you know, so he he walks on the scene. Um, and you know he's basically investigating how this gun, just like with you, Marcus, how the fuck did this gun wind up in this mm. present? And that's <laughs> what he's investigating. But that, but when he walks into the movie, you know that's when you get to really see that rooftop pool they have, and um, especially with the birthday party scene, you're seeing the inside of their house. Yeah. And the house and the interior d- design is fucking insane. With the big screen pong game, I know. With the pool Ooh, next yeah. to it, the there's pong like a pool console. next to it. Yeah. Baller. That's a, that's a that's a metaphor for the mom too. By the way, she's getting bounced back and forth between the two oh, sides the whole movie. Right. Well, they cool. play uh, the little girl in, in Houston at some point. Yeah, totally right. near the end. Have yeah. a metaphysical convo and they're playing pong. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. Shout out to just how confusing this movie is. There's too many factions. I just now realized that Glenn Ford wasn't part of the satanic business. I know. Conspiracy. I was assuming that. <laughs> He's not. I mean, it's like, no. no, he is just a... He's a third you know, faction in this right. like, yeah. mix. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, he's, like, he's, he's, he's part of the real world only. He is. Yeah. He could have been cut maybe from the movie because he, he's also then trying <laughs> to piece together what happened. And you see that scene where he's interviewing different people about like, okay, you know, like the guy who sold the weird robot bird and then right, the, right, right, the, right, right. the the friend of the wife who was there who recommended it. But and then you the lose scene. this electrifying Glenn Ford uh, performance. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on. like there's a scene where like right after that where he's interviewing all those people mm-hmm. and it's shot from behind mm-hmm. their heads. Do you know what I'm talking about? It feels like a Godard yeah. film. Like it's mm-hmm. the weirdest yeah. thing where it's like dialogue from the back of someone's head. You know, right, it takes right. up the whole frame. Like it's such a weird choice. Anyway... <laughs> Then Shelly Winters shows up, and she's then the housekeeper for Barbara because she now she needs help because she's totally in a wheelchair. She's handicapped, and they build that rig for the stairs so she can go up and down. And She brings in all these artificial birds. Imagine if your maid started decorating your house with, like, plastic birds. <laughs> well, so she's weird. kind of obtrusive like uh, Ruth Gordon in Rosemary's Baby. Very much. In that way. Very yeah. much, very much. Right. Oh, and you couldn't also cut Glenn Ford out of the movie because then you wouldn't get that amazing <laughs> scene where he confronts Katie and she says, go fuck oh, yourself. Yes. What's that? Go fuck yourself. No, wait, wait a minute here. And then calls the, him a the child insane molester. dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're a child yeah. molester and you're, you, you're yeah. going to, you, you know, all the disturbing things you do to children, you know, and it's just like, I know. What the That's kind of when I fell for the movie because it's like, like here, it, here's to you guys making a movie with a really foul mouthed, um, yeah. like Southern accent Satanic, yeah. yes. uh, supernatural, bad seed. Yeah, you know what I yes. mean. Yeah, like, like, and I love her performance. Like, because it looks like the kid's having a lot of fun in this. Yeah. Character, oh yeah. You know? And she looks like Linda Blair, kind of. She does have it, a Linda exactly. Do we know Blair anything about her? Like, Mm-mm. like as an adult, did she ever comment on the visitor? Oh, she. Yeah, yeah. She's on the the Code Red DVD. Didn't get a chance to scrub through it, but she has an interview on it. Yeah. I think she looks back pretty fondly on the movie, and does Barbara the the the, the, the who the woman that played Barbara? She does too. Um, right, right on. Okay. But so anyway, that angers this whole confrontation angers the Katie Collins character. And so she starts to basically, you know, activate Satine, the bird, who then follows Glenn Ford in his car. And there's an incredible fucking car crash scene. One of the best scenes yeah. in this movie 
when the bird starts attacking Glenn Ford. And then yeah. literally one of the craziest stunts I've ever seen in a movie is where he swerves the car and hits the fucking motorcycle guy head on. And the guy does mm-hmm. the fucking crazy ass backwards flip into the into the windshield. Like, is that guy alive? <laughs> you know, like, I know. I bet they took a lot of risks and cut that corners. was yeah. crazy. And then, of course, like if like anything that happens in The Visitor, it goes super far and super crazy. The car fucking crashes through a fence. It bursts into right. flames. It explodes in front of these guys mm-hmm. playing baseball. And it's fucking amazing. It's just yeah. it's so good. Love that. Um, and then uh, another fucking scene, guys. How about the ice skating sequence that happens? Oh, I love that. Talk it's about so it. good. It's, it's pretty well shot. I was thinking, you know... Um, I, my theory was that the ice skating choreographer just really hooked them up, you know, because they had some mm. some good ideas of how to shoot it. And it was choreographed pretty well. Like she skates over, they surround her, and then she rolls. Yeah. And it's just insane, too, just like what's actually happening, her spinning around and throwing them. And the whole sort of um, setup feels kind of weirdly like it does feel like a weird Italian movie, like some guys bullying her for no reason and chasing her around the ice you know so, uh, like confusing um like uh like rationales like why are they like what what's with these kids actually one thing i noticed was this might be some ripping off of uh de palma's the fury yeah actually that's yep. it's what it reminded me of uh, yep. may or may not be true i don't know if the timeline works out where it the fury could have been out long enough for them to to ape it but maybe or it's just uh you know cosmic coincidental stuff but it, my favorite is the way it lands um, and it's when I realized I love this film. Like, uh, uh, it, it ends on a freeze frame, like a long freeze frame. Oh. Anybody else? Oh, that's yeah. what I was going to talk. I mean, I have a, totally have a note about that because I, I love that film freeze frame is so great. And it just, it, it sort of distills like what's great about film versus digital to me. Yeah. Because you know? it's like you freeze yep. frame. And it's still alive because the gate is moving, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes when people like remaster a movie, they'll go back and they'll like, "What's it's the freeze frame's moving?" And they'll fix it. They'll make it uh, yeah, still. And I hate that. Terrible. So I just wanted to shout out kudos to you guys for leaving that in there. But it's I just love that because it's the most elemental, you know, um, argument for why film is like superior to digital. Oh, to me, it's just those. Y'all kept the jitter. You're welcome. Just reporting back on uh, jitter being maintained. Yeah, <laughs> also, I love Kudos, the sound. Guys. I love the sound in that move in that scene too. You know, yeah, um, yeah. The beginning of it, it's got that sort of like it's really soft synth beds. And then the the wow and flutter of the film was almost as loud as the synth bed, which I really love. You know, wow. and then uh, yeah. these sort of weird electronic sound effects mixed in and that's the music that i really dig in this movie is those kind that's of that's probably where moments. the heart of the director is in that set piece sure like meaning like he's like, i don't care about a story and narrative and the character i don't know but he's like live he lives just like what marcus is saying all those little nuanced choices totally i think that's where this guy thrives and totally. that does I mean, feel like someone who's probably really wanted to be an experimental filmmaker wound yep. up in commercial television commercials and uh, and then did this yeah. bizarre mess, you know? And that's what he really, it's all I mean, sense now. The, the, this ice skating scene, he really was gung ho about from, from jump, you know, when working with right. the, the screenwriters, I was telling you. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, yeah, so anyway, moving along here. Um, <clears throat> so then we now see John Houston coming in, sort of 
moonlighting as the babysitter, you know, or whatever for Katie Collins. And we, so he's now in the house and uh, moseying around. He basically does nothing <laughs> in this movie, by the way, um, uh, which no. is which is very weird. But he just keeps walking, walking around. from here to here and standing. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all he does. That's it. Um, <laughs> and then and then we get this Pretty dialogue. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And then um, basically we get this. And I know I'm opening the door to you here again, Tom. That. We see this sequence where basically um, Lance Hendrickson's character puts his girlfriend on the spot and saying, I'm going to marry you. Uh, And he announces it to everybody. And she has basically no choice at this point because it's public. And uh, it's shot inside this incredible mall hotel. Like, I don't know how you describe that look, but I know you wanted to touch on it. um, Well, yeah, I just had a little thought on that. We could open this up like... This film, sometimes films, you know, uh, are a snapshot of its time and place, obviously, M- meaning like uh, the right nowness of it all. Like, I think that almost every location in this film, like the, the, the paint is still drying on these locations, meaning like it looks like they were finalized like in like uh, the month before. So yeah. they all have a mid to late 70s uh, aesthetic. Like what I'm saying is like uh, the Dawn of the Dead mall looks much more 1972, 73, maybe. But this is very, very late 70s. And uh, the one I always think of is the Bonaventure Hotel yes. in Los Angeles. Yeah. You guys maybe want to Google that. Just look Definitely. at it. It's famous scene. The elevators in um, uh, Line of Fire, I think. Yeah. You know? Yep. yep. The, You're right. Clinton's You're right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, everything's very glass and every, like smoky glass. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. then um, lots of making sure to have lots of like fake looking potted plants and everything circular. Uh, Marcus, chime in here on the aesthetic look of like late 70s uh, public yeah. spaces. It looks kind of luxury, <laughs> you know, uh, disco. There's a little bit of disco in there, yep. I think. Geometric sure. shapes and yep. um, glass. So cool. And, yeah. So cool. So cool. It yeah. all feels very upscale luxury. For some reason, I was thinking Fiorucci, but I don't know if that's quite right. But there's something about kind of like an upscale Italian fashion yeah. luxury well, brand. To me, it I looks like, see... just to put a button in it for me, it looks like a, a cheap, dumb version of luxury and class. And that's very late mm-hmm. 70s, you know? Sure. So. Yeah. But I could also see why Italians are wanting to fetishize it in America, you know? I could totally see it. Sure. Um, all right. We're, all, we're just about five minutes till the end it. here. Just a couple of quick little things to write, just to rifle off because there's a lot here. The, the sort of close encounters scene, there's actually two in the movie, but the one where basically, you know, she gets pulled over and the truck pulls in front of her and puts on a crazy light show and then the back hatch opens up and that's kind of the sequence where she does get impregnated. Um, and that's the scene where she becomes pregnant with the next kid. And that's pretty freaky, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. for sure. And um, and then that, of course, causes her to want to get an abortion. That's where Sam, Sam Peckinpah enters in the movie. Uh, you get the sense that Barbara and Sam Peckinpah's characters used to be lovers. And he's kind of from a different social class. And uh, he's going to try to give her the abortion. And... Um, and then that's so sort of, weird that like hospital sexy lighting abortion discussion you know. scene. Yeah, you know, it's know. lit like so a romantic. It's so Italian. It is. You guys are out of their minds. Yeah. You want me to perform the abortion, but it's lit like you know they're about to kiss, basically. Oh, <laughs> romantic abortion scene. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Um, and then of course I'll just just be I'm gonna go quick over this. There's the crazy hot dog stand being destroyed in slow motion. There's the fucking Hall of Mirrors scene with all the glass breaking there. Um, and then 
And it's just like this movie then just is like the last half hour is just glass breaking. That's what this movie is. And we get to the fucking main event. Beaks. Beaks and glass breaking. (laughs) We sort of get to the fucking main event, which is, you know, Katie Collins ramming her mom through the fish tank, which is an incredible set piece. So insane and beautiful looking and crazy in slow motion. It's awesome. Um, then we see fucking Jersey on the roof communicating with lights in the sky, you know, call and response kind of close encounters. The the film's uh, story is disintegrating and it's becoming pure cinema. It is. And I would, I would really say this film is more of a cousin to Hausu than maybe any other film or especially Italian ripoffs. I think it's more Hausu. Unintentionally. Maybe this guy's a bit of a visionary and it's like, yeah, it's a ripoff, I guess. That's like the same year, right? Isn't Hausu? Oh, no, a 1980s house, I guess. Right? No, no, it's like, no, I think it it's might be the same year. But anyway, and, but no, it's, it's closer to house than anything else, I think. Yeah, but you know, know what, though? It's also like, it's also that I think he's working in the confines of a ripoff. You know, like, exactly. like, like he's saying, okay, this is how we're going to get the movie financed. And then he just wants to go fucking off the deep end, which it's is pretty cool. Obiashi from House 2 yeah, was right. constrained to make like a, yeah. you know, like a, you know, yeah. his, a Rosemary's Baby or something. Exactly. Right. So just to wrap it up here, then we get to the crazy scene Marcus mentioned where, oh my God, where they're playing Pong and then her, in kind of like in a don't look now way, like Katie Collins turns around and her face has all the lights coming out of it. It's an insane yeah, sort of shock scare. Great. And then she just goes and starts attacking her mom, bouncing her mom's head on the fucking stairs. She drags her up the stairs and Br- throws brutal. her down. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Then fucking Lance Hendrickson gets the garrote out, of course. And um, nice, uh, jello-ish close-up. Totally, totally. And then we get the fucking crazy video optical effects with the birds flying around, and the, it's, it's cr- it looks oh, insane. The pigeons. The pigeons. making my allergies go nuts. Like the roof of my mouth started itching. There's <laughs> birds flapping around that screen. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the birds come to save the day, man. They crash through the fucking windows. There's that amazing image of Katie's hair getting all static and crazy. Um, and then the backlit birds flying through the windows, the sort of like fake birds that are being puppeted and spinning in circles. You sound like a madman right now. I know. <laughs> describing this stuff. <laughs> like, can we get this guy some help? Like, <laughs> uh, and then the birds and the guy's hair. And then like, <laughs> well, the clock is killing. That's me. the movie. I know. It That's is. the movie. It, it is. is. It's it all is. happening like in that span of time too. It is. It is. But then. The final finish is you see that uh, Mel Furs character is dead, like covered in brown sores. And then the back door opens and all of his boardroom bros are all dead. That feels very Jodorowsky to me. And yes. or like or or like Neil Breen, if you will. Like it feels <laughs> oh, you know, very like see that coming. But I agree the, with like, you. Yes. The syndicate is dead, you know. Um, and then the ending, man. Katie is back with Space Jesus. Satine has been exercised from her soul. Reunited. Reunited. And that's the fucking visitor, man. <laughs> I don't know. The, the loving eyes of the bald-headed little girl yes. embracing the blonde-haired Jesus. Now I'm sounding like I need to yeah. The blonde-haired wow. Jesus embracing the bald little girl with her beatific expression. Speaking <laughs> of her eyes, I loved it. They did that sort of Blade Runner effect a couple yeah. years before Blade Runner. Like the true. eyes, her eyes are glowing yeah. a lot. True, so, true. There's Maybe some innovation this- here. Maybe this whole movie is kind of like that one interrogation scene in Cruising where it's like so crazy that like nobody could repeat it back. You know, that that was the motivation. Right. Behind <laughs> exactly. it. No one. Um, you. Yeah, no yeah. one will believe you. Um, but yeah, guys, the visitor. I mean, literally, like I said, it's it's top shelf craziness. It's the mother of all insanity. 
have fun with it. Don't expect anything more than just a wild fucking yeah. pure cinema ride. Thanks for taking us to school, Evan. I, I have a newfounded respect for him in the film. You're welcome. All right. That was uh, one fucking hour in The Visitor. It's always tough to get the set pieces in with the history, but I think we touched on it. That's it. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun to see, like, you know, when Team Hardcore, all the people who voted for Hardcore, <laughs> are going to go in and do the pre watch on The Visitor. <laughs> all, you know, all the hardcore people what are going to like, this the, shit? The yeah. fuck is this shit? Yeah, exactly. That's what are they doing to Mel Farrar? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that guy was married to Audrey Hepburn. I just want to say that, by Insane. the way. Insane. Wow. That was Congrats. Audrey Hepburn's husband. Wow. Insane. Like, uh, that fucking guy. What? Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Like, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Side note. So that was it, guys. One fucking hour on the visitor. Oh, one quick thing I just wanted to show and tell. You showed the VHS. Mm -hmm. uh, I showed the Blu-ray. Action figures? No. That would be amazing. <laughs> you guys make those? No, <laughs> no. We didn't do that. Okay. But we did do this in partnership with Mondo uh, back, in the, back in the day. Whoop, that's you. That's not me. This Ooh, is me. That's me. We did the uh, visitor double vinyl soundtrack. Oh, that's nice. Ba -ba 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 -bum. Lots that's of brass. Really nice. <laughs> Bombastic brass yeah. explosion. Yeah, yeah really that's cool. 2001. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty sweet. So we, we did reissue this. Still got a box uh, laying you know around. What? You can it, send me one. It wouldn't be a, a, a visitor so. uh, vinyl release if it didn't have a gatefold. Let's just be that sweet gatefold. Oh yeah, it's well. I mean, you know, it's Mondo, so it's all new art. But you know. who cares? Gatefold. That's great, actually. I kind of need to buy that. It's really Respect. cool. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a really beautifully done uh, set that they did. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, shout out to the visitor. It was fun, you know, cracking the code with the movie with y'all. And um, it's actually okay. I haven't thought about that in a long time. So going back through the special features mm -hmm. we produced for. Um, the uh, disc was really cool. I should have shouted out. I didn't quite mention, but we did interview Lance Hendrickson for the movie as well. And so that's on the disc. And it's really funny. Because uh, shout uh -huh. out to my... I got to shout out my, my homie who sent me uh, the video files of the special features uh, for the, tonight's episode. Um, my homie Jim Coons, man, who... Uh, did all produced a lot of the special features for us during the draft house days, and uh, he went over to Lance Hendrickson's house and shot the interview. Actually, David Chen conducted the interview. Shout out to oh, David Chen. Oh, nice. Um, but it's always funny because when uh, Jim shows up to Lance Hendrickson's house, uh, Lance is always like, "Oh, not you again," because you're going to be here to talk about one of my alimony films. You know, I love it, <laughs> which is amazing, right. you know, <laughs> incredible. So um, anyway, shout out to Jim. Shout out to David, man. Thank you guys for helping yep. us back in the day with that. And uh, I guess, guys, we should just uh, talk about uh, next week's episode, which is, man, going to be a one fucking hour on a movie from 1980. Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a thing. This here we one. go. 1980. The 80s are here. Right. Yeah. So, um, you guys know how this works. You've been doing this now for weeks with us. Um, if you're watching this show within the first 24 hours of the broadcast, you can head over to our Instagram page, click on the stories uh, at one fucking hour, click on the story, and right there you will see a poll, and you can participate and vote on one of these four movies that we will cover for next week, um, a movie from 1980. And of course, every fucking vote counts, man. 
The visitor won by one vote, so make sure you fucking vote. Yeah, um, think about that. Think about what you're doing. Um, this could so have been a very different hour if somebody have. did or didn't do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, okay, here are your four choices. Um, I'm just going to start with the biggest one. We decided to go kind of big for this for 1980 rather than small. So uh, here we go. Uh, how about one fucking hour on The Shining? Yeah, heard of it. Not bad. Not bad. Well, this got us thinking. Yeah, go ahead. uh, I was just going to say, yeah, it's got us thinking. When we started this uh, crazy endeavor a few years ago, at this point, we we, our philosophy was like, like not to just be like, oh, like we're the deep cut guys. Like, have you ever heard of this Argentinian, you know, uh, like like monster movie (laughs) from nineteen eighty (laughs) seven? It's like, all right, calm down. Like, it's we and we started with Deliverance, actually. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And you know, and just just to give you an idea of how we're looking at things uh, overall, when we started, we were like, okay, there's Deliverance, and there's the sexual assault scene. Uh, that's famous, you know, squeal like a pig and all that. And we didn't even really talk about that at all. No. Instead, we went, no. what about like all the other great set pieces of Deliverance? And we had so much fun talking about like the second half of the film. So that's been a, a philosophy of ours uh, here and there. Like, we, there's no limits to us. We're not thinking, like, we did Star Wars. You know? Yeah. And it was really yeah, fun. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So again, we're going to maybe, one of the choices is The Shining. The most Im- and it'll be our take on The Shining. Yeah. I was going to say, the most important part is it's going to be our take. So. You know, yeah. like obviously in the zeitgeist, you have a lot of, <clears throat> you know, theories. You know, we're not going to be getting into that side of it. We're going to be getting no. into the craft and we're going to be getting into the themes, you know, like we always do in the characters and stuff. So I think it'll be a very interesting. I mean, it's it's a big film, but it's a great film and it'll be our first Kubrick. Yeah. So it'll be our first bite at that apple, which we've not right, been able to right. do. So that's option the number next one. one is uh, <laughs> Fatso. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to do that. Very heavy someday. competition. Yeah. No, no. Sorry. No. Uh, <laughs> All right. It's not one of the choices. Okay. okay. So Shining choice number and choice number one is The Shining. Don't confuse the people. Uh, option number two is uh, oh, this would also be really interesting. One fucking hour on altered states, man. Um, I mean, Ken Russell, uh, fascinating filmmaker. This movie, super fucking heady. I mean, this is kind of visitor-esque. It has some visitor set pieces in it. Just you thinking. Know? Yeah, it yeah. does have some this real far-out yeah, cosmic There's not really any, any other movie like it. Yeah. No, no. No. It's fucking wild. It's still no. the last 70s film. I've always felt that way. Ah, I can mm, see no? that. Yeah. I can see that. That's right. Like, it's a full-born, straight-up-and-down 1970s mind it's, trip you know, like uh, it's basically it, it could have happened in 1971. You know what I mean? It answers the question. How do you film a sensory deprivation tank? Yes. Right. Yeah. And William Hurt, man, you know, I think he's great and he's great in the movie. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll we'll get into that. One of the trippy movies of all time. Yeah. Great stuff. It really is. Incredible images. A lot to unpack. Lots of crazy effects. There's yeah. like video to film effects and stuff. It's it's out yeah. of control. More Douglas Trumballiness. You know, it like, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very heady. And there's a lot to get into with that movie. So uh, that's option number two. Option number three is a a complete left turn from that. How about one fucking hour on airplane, y'all? Hey, how about (laughs) it? Any any thoughts on that one? Well, I mean, you know, we've we've rarely done a straight forward comedy. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's not something we've done a lot of on the show. Spinal Tap was maybe the other big example. Yeah, that's I would that's that's yeah, exactly. But with this, it's like this is another one of the timeless comedies, you know, Uh, and obviously the 80s would be a huge decade for for that genre. And this is kind of, I think, for a long time. This was a new type of comedy. 
you know, that we had mm-hmm. seen. It was a different type of comedy um, and something that become a little bit more ubiquitous as the decade rolls on. But it's, it is mm-hmm. sort of set the bar, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's interesting to me is like tracing the history of comedies because they are sort of looked down upon as like a lesser form than like a serious drama movie or something. So you don't sure. actually, a lot of, you don't always have a clear idea of where these movies came from, where the uh, right. the comedy came from. So it's really fun to kind of trace that. I'm excited to All get I into that. All I know is that... You know, one of the uh, Animal House uh, um, creators saw a- Airplane and went, wow, our time is over. Yeah. Because it was just like, because he, because he was working on Caddyshack and he went, wow, Airplane is just dusting us. Like this yeah. is, and it's killing, you know, like the audience mm-hmm. is in hysterics constantly. Just the, the sheer volume of, of, of bits. There's like five jokes every minute. You know, or at least, or some some kind of math like that, yeah. and uh, a lot of it's still funny, which is it is huge testament. Mm-hmm. Which and is it's remarkable. hard to do. Like fucking forty years old. It's hard to do, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so I think it'd be interesting. I mean, I hope yeah. it's not another nine percenter uh, on this on this <laughs> poll. Uh, but any, any anybody with love for be. airplane, show I mean, up yeah, and blow speak up, up man. yeah, speak up and blow up. I think it would be pretty interesting. I think it would be, you know, pretty interesting for us to, to do to tackle. It does have a like weird that. backstory too to how they. Yeah. Uh, yeah, executed yeah. it. Or how they very came very true. It. Very true. So uh, that's option number three. Option number four would be our first Brian De Palma film. I know there's some mixed feelings among us on very that filmmaker. Controversial but here <laughs> in, in our office. Yeah, it is. But, but I think would, that's yeah. okay. I think that's okay. I mean, I think it'd be interesting to get into. And one of his biggest films came out in 1980, and that is One Fucking Hour on Dress to Kill, uh, of course. Uh, you know his, you know, and, and there's a lot in that movie. A lot of great set pieces, amazing camera work. I mean, The Shining. We're going to go to town on uh, Steadicam, yeah. but we're also going to go to town on Steadicam, Dressed to Kill, because um, there's some amazing Absolutely. stuff in there um, and great set pieces. The who's the kid character again? What's the actor's name? I know Peter uh, Keith Gordon. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, love I, I his love character. Him. Yeah, love him in this movie. Yeah, and he's really um, good. Yeah, man, fucking, you know, I mean, him, you know, it's uh, De Palma doing the Hitchcock thing, but it's still effective, great set pieces, and again, a director who's going to really have uh, set a tone in the 80s, and this is kind of the yeah, first that's true. step with that. Yeah. yeah, so there are your four choices, <clears throat> One Fucking Hour on The Shining, excuse me, <coughs> oh my God, um, One Fucking Hour on The Shining. Uh, altered states, airplane, or dress to kill. So head over right now to our uh, <laughs> insane lineup. Just to hear you say that, like <laughs> I know, like, like yeah. Jesus. Any one yeah. of those would be fun. I have no idea what would win because you think like one, like oh, of course it'll win, but like yeah. people th- calculate things differently, you know, and like maybe they're like, well, I'm kind of burnt on this or that. Yeah, or, you know. yeah, yeah, exactly. So head over to our Instagram page uh, at one fucking hour. Click on the stories and vote there. Of course, if you're watching this in the first 24 hours of this broadcast. And again, just quick, 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 quick shout out to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash one fucking hour. Sign up there. If you love the show, you like what we're doing. It's the best way to support the show. But also on there, you can get instant access to uh, early access to every episode. You get a 24 hour grace period where you get to watch each episode before anybody else does. And you also get our DVD audio commentary tracks, and Jaws will be up there uh, as mm-hmm. soon as you are hearing this. So, um, yeah. all right, everybody, that's it for the show. Um, of course, we can't leave you without your moment of zen. There it is. <laughs> 
All right, guys. Yeah. Well, uh, have a great rest of your week, and we will catch you for 1980. Yeah. 1980 time. Bye. All right, everybody. Take care, Thanks. and we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. This is a funny story. I was in New York right when it came out. It was actually got released. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And I, and I was out with my buddies, and I said, I'm going to go watch a movie I'm in, and I don't, I don't know anything about it, really. I haven't seen it. And so we went up to 42nd Street, and we got to the theater, and the, the poster, to my chagrin, was an eyeball, a giant eyeball with lightning striking it. And I went, oh, guys, I'm not responsible for this. I don't know what it's going to be, right? So we go in, and it was like so bad. It was so crazy and bad. You know, for the sophisticated young actors in New York, we were all going, oh, Lance, it's going to be good to see you in a movie. And, you know, <laughs> and some guy from the balcony hollered, I want my money back. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs>